Our message tonight is uh, talking about abounding in service. My name is Michael Mowry. I really love Jesus. I really love my wife, Carol. I really love my boys. And I really love the Seattle Mariners, whether they deserve it or not. (laughs) This is an early picture. This is the very opening season when the, the stadium is called Safeco Field. This was the very third game. We couldn't get into game one or two, but we got into number three. And, and this is what we looked like back then. Aren't we cute people? Okay. Let's just props for Carol living with all of us guys for all those years. Woo! That's one strong woman. My love for Jesus started way back in my junior year of high school. Anybody ever been at junior year of high school? Yeah. Yeah. So my friends on the cross-country team would um, keep bringing me to the Young Life meetings on Monday nights. I'd get to hear like a 10, 12, 15-minute talk about Jesus out of, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I was learning. It's beginning to dawn on me that Jesus really was God's son. And that uh, I really needed to do something about it. So what happened at the end uh, of that junior year of high school was there was this thing called Boys State. They also had a thing called Girls State. It's sponsored by the American Legion. And and just hundreds of high school kids from all over the state went to, to different places and learned about the state legislature and how our government works. And so I was over in Gonzaga at the University of Gonzaga learning with all the guys. And what should happen to me there? But a Jesus freak was in the registration line with me. Now, that was a polite term back in the 70s. Okay. Tim, who I had never met before, was really tall and skinny and had an afro on top. And he looked kind of like a tree. But he he would just give me these truth newspapers that had nothing but stories about Jesus freaks telling people about Jesus and how he was God's son and how he died on the cross to erase all of our sins so that we could be made uh, right with God, have a right relationship with our creator. Well, what should happen by the end of the week? Anyway, he knocked on the door. Not very good sound effects in Chi Alpha. You're in the wrong tech group. Um, I open the door. He just looks at me, and he doesn't say anything like, hi, Michael. He just says, are you ready? And I said, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And he came in. Put his big old arm around me, sat me down on my bed, and he starts talking to Jesus like Jesus is in that room. And, of course, now I know he was. I know he's in this room. I understand things like that. And he starts talking to Jesus and saying, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Michael's life, and thank you for dying for us and all this stuff. And then he says, your turn. (laughs) Okay, look, I was a good Methodist boy, and uh, I've been to church every now and then. And the guy up front with the robe, he prayed. All I knew was now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's what I knew. And I knew that was not the appropriate time to pray that one. (laughs) 
So I'm just talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I've been reading about what you do in people's lives when they put their trust in Jesus, your son, to take away all their wrongdoing, to clean their conscience, take away their shame and guilt and renew a relationship with you. And I want that. Things change. I was only 17. But I literally felt 17 years worth of my wrongdoing just swept away. I felt clean for the first time ever. And I just felt the love of God. And I just want this experience for everybody I meet. So if that is not something you've experienced, this could be a great night. Or this could be a great quarter or a great year as you begin to explore about Jesus and take that step. So Jesus started changing my life pronto. I was in high school and I was thinking I'm going to go to college and I'm going to be a a history teacher and I'm going to be a coach because I love sports. And, you know, that would be a cool way to help students find out about Jesus. And, you know. I was just passionate about doing something for Jesus after he had done something in my life like that. So what have we been learning about this quarter? God wants us to share in his character. We've been learning about character. He made us to be like him. He wants us to be like him. He wants us to be like his son, Jesus. So who do you think God is? How do you describe him? What is your relationship or non-relationship or sort of thinking about him going? These are important questions. Why? Because our quarter-long theme verse says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. People, you're made in the very image image of God in our likeness so that they can rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock and all for all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So what did God do? God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God made us enough like him so that we can interact. We can have real communication And do you know why he made us? So that we can reflect what he is like to all of creation. So that we can help him rule planet Earth the way he is. How do you think we're doing as a human race? I think this means caring not only for creation, but for the created. The way he cares for us. Turn with me in your Bible all the way to the other side of the Bible, to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 6. Table of contents is a great place to start. If you get to Matthew, you've come to the New Testament. You're on track. Keep going to the right. I remember the order of four books of the Bible, at least, because when you get to Galatians, it goes uh, general... Electric, what's it go? Something. Power company. (laughs) Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. 
There's another one about popcorn in there, but I don't remember that one. Okay, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, has some really good news. Could you use any good news? What's it say? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Whatever God starts in us, he will complete in us. The moment I was conceived, 17 years before that day, or it would have been 17 years and nine months and however old I was, uh, do the math, God had been working to draw me to himself. Do you guys know that God has been working since you were conceived to draw you to himself? He's been putting thoughts in your head. He's been exposing you to bits and pieces of the Bible. He's been having Christians run into you, encourage you. Yeah. Then turn over to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. In your relationships with each other, that's us relating to each other here, have the same mindset as King Jesus. That's what Christ means, if you didn't know who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being formed in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself. He became obedient, even to death, death on the cross. Have you ever thought that the Lord of the universe who created us in his image serves us? What does it say there in the text? Where was it? Verse 7. He took the very nature of a servant. How could Jesus take the very nature of a servant? Because his father is a servant. Who has he created us to be? Servants. So what character do we get to grow in this quarter the rest of our life learning to be servants learning to notice that there are things to be done yeah for me it all started with it's your turn to take out the trash and feed the dog i feel sorry for our dog i was a rookie servant So the Lord of the universe is serving us. And the work he started when we trusted in Jesus will continue. He continues to serve you and me every day of our life. He coaches us. He nudges us every day. Anybody besides me need a little nudge here or there? Mm -hmm. Like you might want to consider doing this, Michael, because you said you would. Um, uh, You might want to avoid that. Remember we read about that this morning in the Bible? Remember? Remember, hey, (laughs) you know, he's nudging us. Yeah. How involved in serving us is the Lord? He became one of us and died on the cross for us and rose again as one of us. Have you ever thought that Jesus is going to be in human form forever? Hello? He's a human forever. That's how involved 
our Lord is so that we can relate to him, understand to him, to have that personal connection with him, know exactly what he looks like. God serves you and me. God serves everyone. That is who he is. Oh, isn't it cool that we get to become like him? Get to learn how to notice what's going on in people's lives so that we can serve them. So tonight we're going to study and do our study on character from one of Paul's letters, which is called the Philippians. We're going to primarily be in chapter 4. So if you want to keep turning to the right, we're going to be in Philippians 4, 10 through 23. This is Paul talking to uh, his friends that he had made. They started a brand new church in Philippi. And he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. So don't think of a big building with stained glass windows or a steeple or a cross. Think about a bunch of people hanging out by, by the river. Okay? This is probably how their church started. A bunch of families getting together. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. How are you and I doing on being content? I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and Every situation, whether uh, well-fed or hungry. Any of you ever been hangry? <laughs> Paul knew about hangry, but he learned to be content. Whether living in plenty or want, I want to do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in, in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of our acquaintance with your acquaintance with the gospel, when I was set out from Macedonia... Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. These, were the, these people were the only church that shared with him financially in his travels, trying to communicate the gospel throughout Macedonia, which is northern Greece for those of you who are lacking in biblical geography. For even when I was in Thessalonica, uh, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, but I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. So they'd send an emissary, you know, a representative from their group, uh, to where Paul was in jail. If you read through the book of Philippians, you'll find out he was in jail. And so they, they had sent somebody to take care of his, his needs while he was in jail because the jails, um, not like our jails. Our jails are pretty, hmm, not a happy place to be, but at least they feed you and there's a toilet. So, huh, how did you get fed if you were in jail in the ancient world? You didn't. You had to have somebody on the outside come and feed you, meet your needs. So wasn't it nice of these Philippians to take care of them? Uh, so he says, I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus. Mm, everybody wants to name their child that. Um, the gifts that you sent, they are fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice. Apologies to anybody who's called Epaphroditus tonight. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We'll stop there. Look at verse 10. Paul tells his friends, I 
Rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity. Paul is so glad the Philippians had served him by sending some money along to buy him some food. Have you ever been able to help someone financially? Anybody? It's a great feeling to say, okay, I got that covered. I can help you with that. Okay, anybody ever had a mom? Okay, so I remember uh, I'm a little kid. Okay, I'm not much bigger now, but I was a little kid. And my mom's birthday is rolling around, and my big sister is coaching me. It's mom's birthday. You've got to buy her a present. Okay. How? <laughs> you know, so we had an allowance, which was cool. You know, I got like 50 cents, which was big money. Big money. Big money back then. And so I started saving for some weeks, okay, my money. And my sister's coaching me. She says, you go to the drugstore. You know the store is right next to the supermarket? Yeah, that's where you buy presents. So she took me down there once and showed me all the kind of stuff. I didn't have enough money for anything in there. (laughs) I kept saving my allowance. Man, I was not buying any soda pop. I was not buying any Tootsie Rolls. I was not going to the corner store anymore because I was saving my mom's birthday present. Well, I finally got enough to buy her something. I don't know what it was. But as a good mom, do you think she liked it? She certainly did. Yeah. How are you doing? at being transformed by Jesus, gaining his character, the very character of God, and becoming somebody who serves. I was learning that I could abound in service even by noticing that it was my mom's birthday, even as a little kid. Thank you, big sister. Anybody here a big sister? Anybody here uh, an ignorant little sister who needs a big sister to coach you? You should get your mom a present. Okay, that was not meant to be derogatory, just we didn't know. Okay, how do you and I change to become like the Lord? Is it all by just gritting our teeth and, is that how it works? No, the moment we trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of our body. Up to that point, the Holy Spirit has been outside of us, just prompting us. At that moment, he comes and dwells inside of us and is personally coaching us right close to the brain where we need help. Is that not where we need help? Are there any humans here? (laughs) Yes, that's our thoughts. This is where we need the input. Yeah, so the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and starts coaching us. He transforms us a little bit at a time to be more and more like our creator, to be concerned for others. Maybe more concerned than we are about ourselves. Any of you ever care about yourself? Anybody look in the mirror in the morning? Like thinking, go back to bed. (laughs) Then you realize, oh my gosh, no, I paid so much money, I got to go to class. You can't go to class looking like that. You know, and then you start taking care of yourself. You're concerned about yourself. 
Now we can start noticing other people. Whoa, you should have done something before you went to class, sister. No, okay, that is a bad example too, wasn't it? Where is this message going? So our focus shifts from just thinking about how to take care of ourselves to start noticing other people might have a need. Mm-hmm. Decision by decision. He transforms our hearts uh, to respond away from ourselves and toward caring about other people. Who are you concerned about? Obviously, you've got some people you care about. He wants that care to grow for those people. He wants that care to grow for other people. Maybe you're just meeting them, your new friends, your classmates, your professors. Professors are people too. Yeah. His divine concern for them and others will grow into specific acts of love. Who is the Lord showing you that maybe he wants you to take care of? Could be tonight, could be this week, this month. Remember that birthday that's coming up? There's another slide, I think. How do we abound in service? By abounding in contentment. Take a look at verses uh, 11 through 14. I'm saying this because, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, being well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or what, because I can do all things through him who gives me the strength. Can you imagine being hungry? Really hungry. Not having food, not knowing where the next food's going to come from. This was not that unusual in Paul's day. I want to show you a picture here of um, Mathari, a place in Nairobi, Kenya, that I visited a couple years ago. Uh, this is one of the lo- uh, largest world, uh, largest slums in the world. Um, the Kibera slum is also very large in, in Nairobi, but also... Uh, Mombasa and other places in the world uh, have huge slums as well. This used to be this used to be a stream, um, but they kind of just use it as the the toilet, and you can kind of see that there's uh, plastic sacks everywhere. When we were walking through, the missionary was talking to us about you have to watch out once the sun goes down because of the flying toilet. So, you know, there's number one and there's number two. And so they just have plastic bags and they use those, tie them up and throw them out the house. Yeah, and can you imagine the odor? We spent an entire day, like an eight-hour day in Mathari, working with these missionaries. And we were on um, a follow-up program uh, called Bring the Light. They had knocked on every door. Well, they're, they're really shacks, so whatever they knocked on, and, and asked the people if they would like to have a hole cut in their ceiling and some plexiglass put over it so they could have more light in their dwelling because there was very little electricity. And so everybody's pretty much saying yes. And so when they would come and install the plexiglass, cut the hole and install it, they would talk about the light of the world, Jesus. And then they'd come back and, and follow up with them and see how they were doing, thinking about uh, God and his son, Jesus. 
And so we are on one of these follow-ups, and this is the first time I've ever talked through an interpreter. How many of you know Swahili? This was kind of the trade language uh, that everybody w- could speak in the slum besides the local tribal language. And so I'm, t- I'm trying to explain about Jesus uh, <laughs> through an interpreter. And there's just this lady there, and you can hear her baby crying in the next room because she's been polite enough to talk to the foreigners. <laughs> and so I explained to her about Jesus, and we get to the end, and the missionary nudges me, like, just keep going and ask her, you know, if she really does want to follow Christ. And, of course, I did, and, of course, she wanted to. She lived with her four children and her uh, cousin's five children because her cousin had died. Nine kids. She had a husband uh, who didn't have a steady job. Can you imagine being hungry? Well, at least Jesus came in the situation, and we were able to tell them about the, the local mission station that provided one meal a day for all the kids. I have been way more content since that moment in my life. I see how much I have. I've been in a dark shack. Nine children. Husband without a job. Wow. How's your contentment doing? I want to suggest one of the first steps in our character of growing to be like God like Jesus, who is very generous in serving others, caring for others, is realize how much he has cared for us, how much he's given us. Are you the kind of person like me who has like a, a, a master's or a doctorate in complaining? And maybe not even an undergraduate yet in, in serving? So... God is in the process of moving me from being a complainer to a noticer to a server. And the way he's going to get me there is how he's been showing me to be content with what I have and to be grateful for what I have. Because when we realize our needs really are being met, then we realize with God we have enough to give to someone else. People, you might think that you don't have much because you have these huge university bills. You guys are the richest group of people on this planet. You're rich in freedom. You're, you're rich in access to money. I don't know how you're paying for it, but you got access to money, didn't you? These people in Mathari have no access. You're rich in freedom. You can do whatever you want with your life. You travel the world tomorrow if you wanted to. Put it on your charge card. Did you guys know you have to pay those back? Yeah. Paul said, I have learned to be content, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How did he get content? By the strength of the Lord. Yeah. So what does God want for you and I to abound in contentment? Will he help us? Yes. How's he going to do it? By the Holy Spirit. It's going to keep coaching us. Have you ever received money? from somebody else when you were in need? Isn't that sweet? Oh, my goodness. Um, You know how an undergraduate degree costs a lot of money? Do you know a master's degree costs significantly more? Like multiple times more? Like they raise the price. 
Yeah. So I had really good grades, and so I was able to get a scholarship that took care of half of my master's degree, but I had zero money. I had, remember that cute wife and the three boys? I had them. All the money went to them. You know how I got my master's degree paid for? By the generosity of my dad. He's the most generous my dad's ever been. He says, don't worry about it. I will take care of it. He paid for half of my master's degree, and the scholarship paid for the other half. Is that amazing how God can provide? You think I was thankful? I was so thankful. It's amazing to be on the receiving end. So we need to learn that too, don't we? To be able to, to receive. Paul was in prison. Couldn't buy food. How did he survive? People gave to him. God willed it. God made a way. Paul needed help. God wills for us, perhaps, to get a degree here so he'll keep supplying the money for you. He will make a way. Yeah. And the way is generally through people. He usually doesn't have angels show up and just start duplicating money on their little crank-out machine here. It's usually through God's people, isn't it? That the money comes. Is there somebody you know who uh, might have a financial need? Yeah. <laughs> Braden raises his hand. I have a financial need. No, <laughs> no, he knows somebody. Yeah, I think we all know somebody. Wouldn't it be exciting to watch God meet our needs so we can meet somebody else's needs? Wouldn't it be cool to pray that God would meet our needs so that we could meet somebody else's need? Okay, what's the next slide say? How can we abound in service? By abounding in contentment and in gratitude. Get up and count your blessings in the morning instead of count all the things you don't have. Okay? Let's work on our contentment. How can we be abounding in generous giving and service? Is there another slide? I'm going to the end, Marissa. All the way. Ooh, by asking Jesus to help us. Thanks, I'm way off script. It was Marissa's first night. Let's pop it up for Marissa. I think just simply by Jesus, asking Jesus to help us to see the needs around us. So as we close in prayer tonight, think about all that God has done for you by sending his son, nailing him to the cross. Think about all the ways he's helped you every day. Think about you have more than one pair of clothes. Yeah. You know, you can get a shower. You have food to eat. You get a place to sleep. Think about all that you have instead of what you don't have. Learn to be content. Ask him for help in that. And ask him to see the opportunities around you to nudge you to take care of someone else. Let's pray. God, thank you for working in my life over all these years. Thanks you're still nudging me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coaching me every day to start noticing that there are others with needs around me and to respond to them. Thanks for the joy of being able to be generous, even financially, and help out or to serve somebody. Thankful, Lord, for all the people who typed my papers back when they were typewriters. 
thankful for all the people that gave me rides when I had no car. I'm thankful, Lord, for people who simply gave me their friendship when I was alone and didn't know anybody in college. God, I pray that you'd be working in us to see the needs around us and to take steps to meet them.